Okay, so one of the very cool things about these um, uh, different levels of consciousness um, that I uh, described to you in the last um, uh, segment is that um, we can measure them. Uh, we can measure what uh, level of consciousness a person is um, is in at a particular time. And we can do that with EEG. Now, <clears throat> we're going to look in more detail at EEG and uh, um, a little bit further along in this chapter where we'll look at uh, defining different stages of sleep according to different EEG patterns. And when we do that, I'll give you a little bit more um, information about how to make sense out of EEG waves and what you're actually looking at. Um, but, um, but for now, if we could start on uh, slide number five here, um, which there's a table that lists uh, four major EEG pa waveform patterns <clears throat> and the states of consciousness that correlate with them. Um, now, EEG is electroencephalograph. Uh, it's measuring brain, uh, it's measuring uh, electrical activity um, uh, throughout the brain. Now, you remember where that electrical activity came from, right? Uh, that electrical activity uh, in the brain comes from uh, action potentials action potential being the very small electric signal uh, that's carried along the um, membrane of the uh, axon um, uh, as that neuron is moving that information over some space, right, over some distance. Um, uh, we can measure the EEG um, activity by um, putting electrodes on a person's scalp and what you're measuring then is not one uh, action potential, but actually the sum total of millions of action potentials all happening at once, uh, or at about the same time. And so what that allows you to see is overall how active the brain generally is. Um, and so in this table, uh, the four EEG patterns um, are beta, alpha, theta, and delta waves. And they differ according to the frequency of waves, frequency of waves uh, in terms of cycles per second. Uh, a cycle per second is also called a hertz. So you might see that as, you know, uh, beta waves as being 13 to 24 hertz or cycles per second. So that's how many um, uh, waves there are within a certain amount of time. So more frequent waves, like beta waves, indicate a high level of awareness, a high level of consciousness. So if we were to measure um, somebody's EEG and find that they were showing beta waves, um, we would know that they were in, um, an, in a high state of consciousness where a lot of their brain was active. Uh, go, moving down, if we saw alpha waves uh, with a um, frequency of 8 to 12 uh, cycles per second, um, we would know that that person was relaxed. Uh, they were deeply relaxed. They were liable, to, if they're thinking uh, at all, <laughs> their, um, their thinking is going to be sort of uh, passive and, um, and wandering kind of thought, not real directed, structured thought. Um, uh, they're liable to be... Um, uh, in, a, in a state of deep relaxation or meditation. If we see theta waves, um, four to seven cycles per second waves, uh, we can know that a person is in a light stage of sleep. And if we see delta waves, uh, fewer than four cycles per second, uh, those are very slow waves, um, uh, we would know that a person was in deep sleep. Now, again, uh, I'll, um, I'll show you some EEG waveforms uh, later on when we get into sleep a little bit more deeply. <laughs> not really. We're not really going to sleep. We're going to talk about sleep. Um, maybe you're going to sleep. I don't know. Um, but um, <clears throat> I'll show you more about what those uh, EEG patterns actually look like and what they tell us about what's going on in the brain. Right now, just know that, um, that we can tell something about a person's 
level of consciousness by measuring brain electrical activity. People call this brain waves, by the way, right? That's what the brain waves are. Um, <clears throat> uh, notice also that the um, the uh, patterns, the EEG patterns of beta, alpha, theta, and delta are not necessarily in any logical order there. It's not like alphabetical order or Greek alphabet order. Notice that the uh, highest um, frequency waves are beta waves, right? Not alpha. Okay, if we go to the next slide and look at um, biological rhythms and sleep, uh, our, our daily sleep and wake cycle is an example of what's called a circadian rhythm. What that all that really means is that um, people tend to fall into a pattern uh, of about that repeats itself about every 24 hours as far as when they tend to be most awake and alert and when their body is most likely to go to sleep. This is our daily sleep and wake cycle. Uh, and it's called a circadian rhythm. Uh, circadian, the word literally, means about one day. Uh, so it's an example of a 24-hour biological cycle. There are other kinds of um, biological cycles in the human body. Um, some of them happen on a 24-hour schedule as well. Um, you know, there are uh, differences in uh, release of hormones, like growth hormone on 24-hour cycles. There are small differences in core body temperature across a 24-hour cycle. Um, you know, uh, we have some um, monthly cycles in human uh, anatomy also, uh, like the menstrual cycle. Uh, some animals, I don't know of any in humans, but some animals have yearly cycles, like cycles for um, uh, for hibernation and migration and things like that. Anyway, um, <clears throat> this um, so our sleep and wake cycle is an example of one of the circadian rhythms. It happens about every twenty four hours. <clears throat> now. Um, one thing that's actually pretty cool about this is that this rhythm is capable of being reset. Um, that it's not like it's fixed at, I don't know, the time we're born or something like that, and it just keeps playing and repeating over and over uh, on a 24-hour cycle all through our lives. Um, that could lead us to problems, um, uh, depending upon what time of the day we're born, uh, depending upon, uh, you know, if we were to want to move to another part of the world or adjust to a different kind of sleep and wake cycle we wouldn't be able to do it, right? But that's not how it is. Our uh, circadian rhythm is actually reset every 24 hours. And so that allows uh, us, allows our brains to get used to um, or to adapt to different um, cycles of light and dark or different cycles of sleep and wake. All right, so how does this happen? Um, this happens um, by way of a very small part of the hypothalamus called the suprachiasmatic nucleus. Okay, the hypothalamus, if you recall, is a part of the forebrain that is a very small part, about the size of a red bean. But if you remember, it's very small, but it's important in regulatory functions, including regulating uh, body temperature, um, hunger and thirst, uh, sexual motivations, and the sleep and wake cycle. Okay, the suprachiasmatic nucleus uh, is a part, is a very small part of the hypothalamus. This term suprachiasmatic is one of those neuroanatomical terms that tells you just location. It tells you where this part is with reference to other parts. Uh, chiasm here refers to the crossing of the uh, optic nerves um, as they, uh, you know, after they split and as they go towards the um, uh, back of the brain. 
uh, so the optic crossing. And this is the part that's just above supra, that um, crossing of the optic nerves. Uh, and so, um, so the suprachiasmatic nucleus, or the, or the SCN. The suprachiasmatic nucleus gets input from the retina. Um, by way of the optic nerves. But, um, but it's only a little bit uh, of input. It doesn't actually see anything. All it does is gets triggered when the retina uh, first um, experiences light for the first time upon awakening in the morning. Um, so essentially when you open your eyes in the morning uh, and you start to wake up, um, the, um, uh, the message goes to the suprachiasmatic nucleus that, hey, it's time to wake up. It's time to restart the 24-hour sleep and wake cycle. And that's what the suprachiasmatic nucleus does. And it does so by um, uh, sending a message to a nearby um, part of the brain called the pineal gland or the pineal body. Um, that may not, that word isn't on my slides. It's a P-I-N-E-A-L, pineal. Uh, the pineal body is, um, is uh, really part of the endocrine system. Uh, it makes and releases a hormone called melatonin. And you probably know about melatonin. Uh, a lot of people do nowadays. Um, uh, melatonin is a hormone that um, is naturally produced in your brain to help you to go to sleep, right? Um, and so essentially the suprachiasmatic nucleus tells the pineal body to stop producing and releasing melatonin for a while. And that allows you to be awake. Uh, and then later on in the day, um, once some time has gone by, the uh, pineal body starts to pick up its activity again, starts to produce and release melatonin until you're ready to go to sleep at your regular bedtime. Um, <clears throat> so this is, um, this is the way that the system works. Uh, this allows us to be able to synchronize our uh, sleep and wake cycle to different patterns of light and dark. Uh, for example, if you were to get on a plane right now and go to New Zealand, which would be cool, uh, anyway, um, if you got off the plane in New Zealand, you know, you're, you would have to uh, adjust to a very different time zone. In fact, it's a different uh, uh, season of the year there. <laughs> but um, uh, but your, your brain could do that. It would take a little while. It might take as much as a week or so. Uh, but by, um, uh, um, uh, by trying to get into a regular sleep and wake cycle according to the light cycle there, your brain could adjust to it, and soon you wouldn't even know that you were, you wouldn't even feel like anything was different. Um, and so the term desynchronizing refers to when you're out of sync uh, with the light and dark around you. So initially, if you went to New Zealand right now, uh, you would be desynchronized for a while with the um, uh, pattern of light and dark around you. Um, uh, but you can become synchronized thanks to uh, this mechanism uh, involving your suprachiasmatic nucleus. Now, there's a lot of really important implications of this. It is, this isn't just cool trivia of how your brain um, uh, regulates this. There's a lot of reasons to know about this. One is that um, uh, it can help uh, to know this if you have gotten out of sync with your sleep or if you're having difficulty falling asleep. A lot of times if people have difficulty falling asleep at night, um, they're liable to try to make up for some lost sleep by sleeping in longer the next morning. Um, you know, you can't fall asleep at night, you're up until 3 a.m. and you just say, okay, I'm just going to sleep in tomorrow and not get up with the alarm or something like that. Well, then what happens when you do wake up at noon or whatever, um, then your um, daily sleep and wake cycle is going to reset according to a noon start time. Uh, 
which means when it gets to be bedtime um, uh, that night, your intended bedtime that night, your brain and body are not going to be ready to go to sleep. Uh, they're still going to be, um, you know, thinking it's time to be awake. Uh, and so a better thing to do would be to stick to a regular wake-up time in order to regulate your whole sleep cycle. This is not what people often do. They'll often try to focus on uh, the bedtime, you know, the time they fall asleep. But what your brain pays attention to is the time you wake up. So if you want to regulate or change your own sleep cycle in some way, you've got to stick to a regular wake-up time um, and maintain that um, and then it's liable to be difficult for a couple of days because, you know, if you couldn't get to sleep and you're up until 3 a.m. and you still stick to your regular 7 o'clock wake-up time, you haven't gotten much sleep. But it is going to be much easier to fall asleep that night, and then it's going to be easier to get back on track, right? So, um, uh, so sticking to a regular wake-up time is going to be important. Another um, important implication of this whole process of uh, resetting the sleep and wake cycle is that um, it really seems that the suprachiasmatic nucleus uh, isn't attuned to all wavelengths of light. It specifically um, prefers or is specifically attuned to uh, wavelengths of light on the blue end of the spectrum. Uh, so it, it responds to blue light. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we now live in a world where there's a lot more blue light than there would be if we were living out in nature. Uh, a lot of our artificial lights, particularly like, like um, LED lights, which are everywhere, uh, like, um, like computer and phone screens, they're heavily on the blue end of the spectrum. And so what, um, what may be happening is that um, we're all confusing our internal sleep and wake cycles by um, by showering ourselves with this blue light, um, and so it's essentially throwing off sleep and wake cycles a lot, uh, a lot more than people realize. Um, this is why uh, you know on some of your um, uh, phones and devices and stuff like that they'll have a you know late night setting or something like that where you can change the colors of things um, to where it looks more orangey uh, or yellowy or red or something like that uh, and that's um you know that's to try to shift away from that I'm not I haven't actually seen any research that would indicate that that works um, uh, to, uh, that proves it works but it certainly makes sense I have seen research from the other end to say that even small amounts of blue light, um, uh, can interfere with people's sleep. Uh, there were studies where they showed that even, um, even the small amount of blue light that might come from a blue LED alarm clock next to somebody's bed might actually interfere with their sleep, um, their regulation of sleep cycle. This may be some of the reasons why we have trouble sleeping, why we're tired all the time, and things like that, because we're disrupting this normal um, uh, pattern. Um, another um, another instance of where that uh, uh, came up um, uh, as an example was that um, when um, when they switched street lights uh, to from let's see they used to be like some kind of sodium lights or something like that they were very yellow in in their cast uh, but the um, but they switched them to LED lights which are you know much uh, they last much longer they use much less energy. Um, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but what they found is that um, people, particularly people in urban areas where there were a lot of these streetlights, were having all kinds of sleeping problems. Um, you know, just changing essentially the color of that light made it so that it was interfering with their uh, sleep and wake cycle. This is probably why so many people now know about melatonin as a, um, as a supplement, because so many people are taking it because we've thrown off our 
uh, sleep and wake cycles um, because of this uh, exposure to light. Um, so it's something to know about and something to think about that um, uh, that we can essentially uh, uh, try to um, regulate the color and regulate the amount of light that we're getting, especially in the evening and at night, in order to um, improve uh, our likelihood of um, uh, having good sleep.